Open your Bibles up to the book of John, the book of John chapter 1. So we're going to read through verses 1 through 9 to start this evening. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. So it says in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now we've been looking over the past three weeks at the characteristics of Jesus that we saw in the first three verses as described by the Apostle John. John has shown us that Jesus is God as creator. He was the creator of all things. He has always been, he always will be, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. We also saw that Jesus is the Word in this text. And last week we looked at Jesus as the eternal Word, the creative spoken Word, the written working Word, and the living Word. So Jesus is God and Jesus is the Word. That's what we covered in the first two weeks. But tonight we're going to look at two more characteristics of Jesus, and that is Jesus' is life and Jesus' is light. Jesus' is life and Jesus' is light. And we see that in these verses that we read to start off with. Jesus' is life, it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now the word life is used 36 times in the book of John. It's an important word, it's, a, it's an important characteristic that we have in the life of Jesus. Webster's defines life as the ability to grow, to change, etc., that separates plants and animals from things like water or rocks. Life is also the period of time when a person is alive, the experience of being alive. So this definition brings two questions to mind. How long will you live your life and how will you live your life. Well, John tells us in verse 4, referring to Jesus, in him was life, in Jesus was life. He didn't get life from someone or someone else. Nobody gave Jesus life. He has always been and he always will be. But in him is and was life. We know that he created us. He gave us physical life. He gave us spiritual life, both of which require maintenance. Maintenance is not a term that most of us really like. We think of maintenance on our homes, maintenance on our lawnmower, on our cars. So many things in our life require maintenance, don't they? And we know that for our physical life, it requires maintenance as well. But it, so goes it with our spiritual life too. We need to maintain our spiritual life. In Matthew 6 and in Luke 11, we find what is known as the Lord's Prayer. Now, if you've studied that before, you know it's not actually the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's 
prayer will actually go through later in the book of John. It's basically the Lord gives that to us as a template or an example for us on how to pray because his disciples ask him in Luke chapter 11, Lord, teach us to pray. They had on many occasions heard Jesus pray and they wanted to know how to pray like that. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray in this manner. Use this as the template. Use this as an example. Now, we're all familiar with the Lord's Prayer. We can probably, some of us even quote it from memory. But notice in verse 6 of the Lord's Prayer, it says, Give us this day our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread, our, our food. Food enough to sustain us for the day. Jesus brought up a very important point in that prayer in that he knew as we start off each day, we were going to need what we would call sustenance for that day, wouldn't we? We would need physical sustenance, but we would also need spiritual sustenance. So, in other words, sustenance sufficient for the day. Give us this day, Lord, sustenance sufficient for our day. Because God knows what's going to happen throughout the course of our day, doesn't he? We don't know that. We don't know what the day holds. We make plans. There's things that we want to do. But we don't know for sure what the day holds. The Lord does. So it's praying to the Lord. Lord, give us what we need for this day. Give us each day our daily bread. Sustenance sufficient for the day. Sustenance for our physical life. Sustenance for our spiritual life. He created us. He gave us our physical life. He gave us our spiritual life, so he knows exactly what we need. Now, in our physical life, we are sustained by at least four main things. The first one is light. We know that if the sun doesn't shine, things die, don't they, over time. Um, Sunlight is required for things to grow. It's a requirement. So there's light, there's also air. We know that we, we must breathe. There's water. We know that we must drink. And then there's food because we know that we must eat. Now, we don't control the sun. It's provided for us. We have no control over that whatsoever, we know. We don't have to remember to breathe. You know, I didn't get up this morning. I'm sure you guys didn't either and go, oh, yeah, I got to breathe. I forgot. Our breathing just happens because of the way that we're built, because of the way that God designed us, we, we breathe. Some of us better than others. Uh, if I was to run from here, actually I've done it from downstairs up to the balcony, I'm breathing. I'm breathing hard. <laughs> it's a long way up all of those steps. So both of those things are critical to sustain our physical life. We know this. But our bodies also tell us when we're hungry or when we're thirsty. And rarely, if ever, do we neglect this, do we? (laughs) Food and drink is something that we partake of on a regular basis. We know that we need to, but it's something that we look forward to as well. Maybe the only exception to that might be when we fast. But we know that in order to maintain our physical health, we need food and water. Now, our spiritual life requires maintenance as well, as I said. Our spiritual life requires life in Christ 
the one who gives us this spiritual life, and the one who sustains our spiritual life. For our spiritual life, Christ is light. He's the light of life. It's the Holy Spirit's work in us for illumination, to supply us with the necessary life for our spiritual sustenance. Jesus said in John 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. The light of life illuminates things for us. We are able to see truth. So that light that he gives us illuminates God's word for us. So there's light and then there's air, the breath of life. It's the Holy Spirit's work in us for inhalation to supply us with the necessary air that we need. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 8, the wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. And also chapter 20, verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And what's taking place there Jesus has already died on the cross he's already been resurrected from the dead and now he's spending time with the apostles they have not yet received the promised Holy Spirit in their life yet Jesus has been with them he's made them a promise that they are going to receive the Holy Spirit but they haven't received it yet this is where that happens in John 20 verse 22 when he had said this he breathed on them and said receive the Holy Spirit. It was a breath of life, if you will, going into them, which was the Holy Spirit for them. It was life-giving. It's ongoing. It's spiritual breath. It's, it's air. So we've got light, and we've got air, and now we also have water, the water of life. It's the Holy Spirit's working us for hydration. We had illumination, inhalation, and now hydration to supply us with necessary fluid. You got your place in John chapter 1. Just flip over a couple pages to John chapter 4. We're going to look at several verses there. John chapter 4. We'll start with verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Jump down to verse 13 and 14. And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This living water that Jesus is going to pass on to all of his believers, to quench our thirst, if you will, for the Lord Jesus. Turn over to chapter 7 in John as well. Hold your place in chapter 1. We will get back there. But chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And then in verse 39, he gives an explanation of this verse. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those 
believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this uh, confirms what we were just looking at a minute ago, that at this point in time, the Holy Spirit had not been given to the believers, but Jesus promises that. And Jesus talks about, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Jesus is there for, through the Holy Spirit, hydration for us. It's living water for us. You, you hear the phrase, the water of the word. That's what that is. God's word is, is water, it's food, it's air for us. We've got light, we've got air, we've got water, and now we've got food, the bread of life. All of these, again, what for? Our spiritual sustenance. So the bread of life, the Holy Spirit's work in us for ingestion. The Holy Spirit's work in us for ingestion or to supply us with necessary food. Turn to John chapter 6 again. Flip back over to John chapter 6. Jesus said in verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Now that's quite a promise for us, spiritual sustenance, isn't it? The two things that we know physically we require the most, food and water, he's saying uh, that we shall never hunger and we shall never thirst in Christ through his Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us into what the Lord has for us in his word we are fed and we drink so we never thirst we never hunger because God's word is inexhaustible it's always there for us verse 41 says I am the bread come down from heaven and then in verse 58 he carries on with that by saying, this is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. So the bread of life gives us everlasting life. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is light, the light of life. Jesus is air, the breath of air, the breath of life. Jesus is water, the water of life. Jesus is food, the bread of life. Jesus is the initiator of our spiritual life through his Holy Spirit for our spiritual sustenance. Flip back over to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 verse 4 again says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus through his Holy Spirit in us gives us all we need for spiritual sustenance spiritual light, air, water, and food. So John chapter 1 verse 4 can be read like this. Jesus was and is life, and Jesus was and is the light of men. Jesus is life. Verse 5. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Flip over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 16. And we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 
He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. We're going to see as we move through the book of John that light and darkness are going to be recurring themes for us. So it's good for us to take this time up front in the book of John to look deeper at these two things, light and life. We just looked at life, now we're going to take a hard look at light. It says people either love the light or they love the darkness. Some people just enjoy being in the dark, being in sin. Creation began in Genesis chapter 1 when God said, let there be light. And it happened, didn't it? New creation in us begins with light into the heart of us as the believer. So if we would look at a contrast between light and darkness, light dispels darkness, light reveals darkness. We all know if we get up in the middle of the night or we've been somewhere and we come home, lights are off, the house is dark, there's darkness all around us, what do we do? We flip the switch and turn on the light. It will illuminate the room for us. We will be able to see. Light dispels darkness. There's a, there's a part of that verse that's very interesting. Uh, in verse 5, back in chapter 1, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now, we would think that blind sinners uh, would welcome the light. But that's not always the case, is it? When we're in our sin, we're not always attracted to the light. The coming of the true light brought conflict in Jesus' time, and it still brings conflict today, doesn't it? It says the darkness did not comprehend it. Now the Greek verb for comprehend can mean to overcome or to grasp or to understand. So a more literal translation of John chapter 1, verse 5 would read, And the light keeps on shining in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it or even understood it. That's interesting, I think. Not only has it not overcome it, but it hasn't understood it either. Throughout John's gospel, we'll see that there's two predominant attitudes that are present. People will not understand what the Lord is saying and doing, and as a result, they'll oppose him. They don't understand what he's talking about. So rather than listen more intently or try to gain knowledge about what he's saying, they'll just oppose what he's saying. We see that whenever Jesus taught a spiritual truth, his listeners interpreted in a material or physical way. Thus the light was unable to penetrate the darkness that was in their minds. We know that Satan tries to keep people in darkness because darkness means death and hell, while light means life and, and heaven. To give you a scientific definition of light might expand your understanding a little bit, and then we can apply it to what we're learning here about the Lord Jesus Christ. Light is, in fact, 
energy. Science defines light as luminous energy, as radiant energy, and as electromagnetic energy. Light is moving at a speed of 186,282 miles per second. Light's anything but static. It's anything but fixed. Light is considered a wave, and this wave can hit the retina of the eye, and when it does that, it makes things visible. I can see you guys because of light reflecting off the retina of my eye. It illuminates things. All colors depend on light. Where there is light, we see, and where there is no light, we don't see. It's high-speed energy that hits the eye and makes things visible. Now, when you think about light in that way, you are seeing it or viewing it in a way that is directly applicable to Jesus, the Son of God, who is divine power making things visible. When the light, the spiritual light of Christ, hits the living soul, would be equal to an open and functioning eye, everything is illuminated in the spiritual realm. Did you get that? When the light of Jesus Christ illuminates in our soul, we're able to see things more clearly. We're able to have those spiritual eyes, if you will, to be able to to see and discern what the Lord is trying to tell us. The light, according to John, is none other than the life. We read that already. That eternal life who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the word that comes from God. Now John has captured some very basic things, uh, simple on the surface and yet profound to express who this person is that we call the Lord Jesus Christ. It says in verse 4 again, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. So Jesus is the word, as we looked at last week, because in him God speaks. Jesus is the life, because through him God gives life. Jesus is the light, because by him everything in the spiritual realm is illuminated. gives us eyes to see. Apart from Jesus, there is no word from God. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. Apart from Jesus, there is no true understanding. Apart from Jesus Christ, all is darkness. Now this fact helps uh, better explain the ministry of John the Baptist. And we're going to be moving into a section of scripture next week that briefly talks about John the Baptist. Text moves on with some other things. And then we get into the heart of the ministry of John the Baptist. So we'll be looking at that in the next few weeks to come. But for now, let's look at verse 6 through 9 again. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now this is not the Apostle John that wrote this gospel. This is referring to John the Baptist. It says in verse 7, This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. So John was sent as a witness to and for Jesus Christ to tell people that the light was coming and had come into the world. At this time, the nation of Israel, in spite of all of its spiritual advantages... They were blind to their own Messiah. So you might wonder, 
I think we all do at times. Why did the nation of Israel reject Jesus Christ? Simply put, they were spiritually ignorant. Jesus is the true light. He's the original. Every other light is just a copy. They had Moses in the law. They had the temple and the sacrifices. But they didn't understand that these lights pointed to the true light, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus was and is the fulfillment and the completion of all of the Old Testament. So this text in verse 8 clearly states, too, that John the Baptist was not the light. Now, at the time John the Baptist came on the scene, there was a lot of people that were impressed with John's ministry. John came, as we all know, as a prophet. He came speaking the word of God, and we know it was the word of God because it, it was true. It came to pass. John was not the light. And by his own admission, when questioned, John admitted that. Look at verse 19. And again, we're going to go through all of this again when we get to this particular passage. But just to prove the point here about this light, John was not the light, and he says he's not. Verse 19, now this is the testimony of John the Baptist. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? <laughs> Good question. I, I, you know, I would wonder that myself. Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed... I am not the Christ. And they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to them, who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And he says, and he quotes from Isaiah, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. So John was fulfilling the prophecy about himself by just saying this. Uh, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. We can see this making straight the way of the Lord, or think about it this way, I'm clearing the path for the Lord. Illustrated in one verse. We can see that in one verse that really stands out. John 1, verse 29. It says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John, in this case, where he is at this time, sees Jesus coming, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John points to the Lord, announcing the coming of the Lord. John here is fulfilling the prophecy about himself, making straight the way of the Lord. So he says, Behold, look upon him, see him, pointing to him, and bearing witness of the Lord, who Jesus is, this verse tells us, the Lamb of God. Why he is here? To take away the sin of the world. In that one simple verse, John points to Christ saying who he is and what he is here for. Now, growing up, the Jewish people saw how many lambs were killed as uh, coverings for their sin. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands of uh, lambs sacrificed for the sins of the people. Now here, Jesus is being called the Lamb of God. The only frame of reference for a man being sacrificed for the Jews would have been the story of Abraham 
when he prepared to offer his son Isaac on Mount Moriah. And then in just a few years from this point in our text, the people would see the fulfillment of that event as Jesus would be offered as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah to take away the sins for all time, for everyone, once and for all. So in this one verse, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John says to us, I am not the light, I am not the Christ. Jesus is the light. Here is the light. Here is what the light's here for. So back to verse 6, chapter 1. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. So John is there bearing witness of the light. Now we as believers are called to the same thing, are we not? We're always to point to the light, Jesus Christ. We're to bear witness of that light in our lives and the testimonies that we have of what he's done in our lives. We're to bear witness of that light, just like John did. Here in this room tonight, there's only two types of people. In fact, there's really only two types of people in the world, saved and not saved. That's really the most important two people types, is it not? For the saved, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. For the unsaved, let's read on. Jesus says of himself in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. If Jesus is light, it makes sense to follow if we're in a dark place, wouldn't it? Just like if we were hiking somewhere. We've got a lamp, or somebody has a lamp, or somebody has a flashlight. We're going to stay close to the person with the flashlight, aren't we? We're going to follow that light because it just makes sense. Stay in the light. Jesus is saying, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will have the light of life, and they'll have the light that gives life. The question for us tonight is, do you have it? Do you have it? Verse 9 in our text says that that was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. As the true light, Jesus enlightens everyone, every man, woman coming into the world. The truth about Jesus shines in this dark world of ours. Yet people must decide what to do with the light that they see. When people reject the light, there's not a problem with the light, is there? The problem is with the condition of their heart. We have two different responses to the light. Some embrace it, some reject it. The issue is the condition of the heart. Think of it in this way. Suppose you put two bowls on a table out in your backyard in the heat of the summer, and one bowl is made out of wax, and the other one is made out of clay. Now when the sun shines down on both of those bowls, what happens? One's going to soften and one's going to harden, isn't it? The wax bowl is going to soften. The clay bowl is going to harden even harder. It's the same light, but there's two different results. The softening and the hardening is dependent upon 
the kind of material the bowls are made of. What's the condition of the bowls, the material? What's the condition of the heart? If you're sincere about knowing the truth about God when his light shines in your mind and heart, you will understand it. You will embrace Christ. You will accept him as true light. However, if you listen to the truth about Jesus with a Christ-rejecting bias, your heart will harden. The result will be God's judgment. It's a choice that you, I, that we are making based on evidence, the truth and the light presented to us. The issue for rejecting Christ is not a lack of evidence or a lack of truth or a lack of light. Rather, the human will has been twisted and tweaked by sin and darkness and the love for it. I heard someone say a long time ago, if you're sinning and not having fun, you're obviously doing the wrong sin. And there's some truth in that. As sad as it is, there's also truth in it, right? Sin is enjoyable. It's fun for a season. But it will lead us to destruction. So the love of sin, the love of the darkness is present in some people and it can only be dispelled by the light. Let's look at John chapter 3 once again. Verse 18. It says, He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. The question before us is do we have a heart of wax or do we have a heart of clay? Is our heart soft or is it hard? This room tonight, I'm sure, is full of a lot of people who have previously responded to the light, Jesus Christ. People who have chosen to continue to walk in that light. If you're here tonight and you haven't, you're actually in really good company. You're surrounded by people who were once just like you, once walking in darkness. People who were faced with the same decision you're faced with right now. What did John say? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See him? Do you see the light, Jesus Christ, shining on you right now? John 1.5 says the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. We have a choice to choose to live in the light or in darkness. Do we comprehend it? As we uh, close tonight, I want you to, some of you will be familiar with this, some of you won't, but I want you to listen to the words, the lyrics of a, of a real old hymn called, I Saw the Light. I wandered so aimless, my life filled with sin, I wouldn't let my dear Savior in. Then Jesus came like a stranger in the night, praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light, no more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. 
Praise the Lord, I saw the light. Verse 2, just like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears I claimed for my own. Then like the blind man, God gave back his sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. I saw the light, I saw the light. No more darkness, no more night. Now I'm so happy, no sorrow in sight. Praise the Lord, I saw the light. The light of Jesus Christ is shining in this place. He desires to move in our hearts. He desires to reveal the truth of God to each and every one of us right now as we pray.